I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're focusing on the prison pipeline, and you can find me on Twitter, at Lisa Evers, Facebook, Lisa Evers Official, that's with the blue check, and also Instagram and Snapchat. And in this episode, we're taking a look at the prison culture, the criminal justice system, and asking if you are being programmed for this imprisonment type of mentality. And that's what we're talking about with our guests. We've got a great panel joining us. Uh, Prodigy, you know him from Mob Deep. He has a uh, new cookbook out. It's called Commissary Kitchen, my infamous prison cookbook. We're gonna talk with him about that. And um, Prodigy, as you know, is a multi-platinum hip hop artist. He has a new project coming out in January, Hegelian Dialectic. Okay, that's right, after, right. he told me, after the philosopher <laughs> Hegel. We're going to get into that with him. And uh, Prodigy served a three-year bid on a gun possession charge and has been making music and touring the world since then. He also has written another book, and he's been a strong supporter of Hot 97 Street Soldiers and the Push for Peace. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. We really appreciate it. Also with us from Harlem, J.R. Ryder. Yeah, he, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just came home from uh, um, doing two and a half years upstate. And uh, he's got a new project called Meet Zeus Part 2. Meet Zeus um, had over 100,000 downloads. And, uh, you know, he's tearing it up on the airwaves here on Hot Night 7. Thank you so much for being with us. Appreciate you for having me. We really appreciate it. Also with us, Khalil Cumberbatch. He is uh, with Just Leadership USA. It's a not-for-profit organization that helps ex-offenders transition into productive lives. He did some time and came home in uh, 2010 and has been working to help others in the same situation since then. Khalil, thank you so much for being with us. Sure, we really appreciate it. Prodigy, I want to start with you on this. Because of, because of the election and the types of issues that we saw happening, where do you feel, do you feel criminal justice issues, the ones we deal with in our community so much, are being ignored? Um, I definitely think, you know, it's being ignored, but I think they, they, they're paying close attention to it and they, they're profiting off it. So it's being ignored as far as like trying to reform it and trying to help because they're they turning into big business. Like, you know, it's big business right now. Right, and that's one of the things that a lot of people have been talking about. One of the reasons we want to do the show is a documentary, 13th, yeah. on, uh, that's on Netflix right now that was done by the same director uh, who did Selma. But Khalil, when you look mm -hmm. at the, because you, you deal with the issues too, and you deal with looking mm -hmm. at legislation and some of the practices of law enforcement, mm -hmm. do you think the election <laughs> even addressed those issues? No, I mean, I think that that was one of the major uh, um, uh, issues that was almost non-existent in both platforms, in both the Democratic National Party and also the Republican National Party, and by both candidates. And, you know, as a criminal justice advocate, uh, you know, it, it only reinforces to us how much more our, how much more louder our voices need to be, because only when the voices of the people who are directly impacted are loud enough well, then politicians actually listen because we have to create the space for them to actually be bold and to actually take steps because that space is not going to come from from any political leader, right? Because politics is not a game that is built on taking chances. It's built on listening to people and, and, and then ultimately making decisions that are in the best interest of those people. And we're the ones who have to actually create that space for them to step into. Jared Ryder, the, uh, in, in terms of doing time, were there things about it that you made you look at the whole criminal justice system in a different way? I mean, um, yeah, I mean, the way it's set up, the way it's set up for you to come back and, you know what I mean, the way the whole parole thing and, you know, racism in, 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 inside the uh, jails and, and things like that, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely set up to, like, you know, make you come back and, 
you know, they want you to mess up. You know what I mean? So when you when you say that, explain that for some for us. When you say they want you to mess up, like people might say, well, you know what? If you didn't do the armed robbery, you wouldn't be there in the first place. So some of those people don't have much pity or much understanding or sympathy. No, I didn't or, do it though. That's the thing. Uh huh. I just was uh, in the wrong crowd, and I and I, you know, for that reason, I I, I shortened my circle. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, I mean, my case my case was in Manhattan, so you know. If you know how it work in Manhattan, it's kind of hard to like, you know, especially if you're a rapper, mm-hmm. to be the case in Manhattan. Especially if you know you you feel like you you 100% innocent, you want to fight it. You might not want to fight that once you start hearing the numbers that they throwing throw at you when when uh when you blow trial, when you lose trial. So you know, I, I had to take it. I had to take whatever they had on the table, and and that was that. Because otherwise, you figure I'm go- it's going to be like a career killer and. I'm going to be spending too much of my life there. Yeah, I mean, I asked my lawyer. I'm like, you know, because I had Scott Lehman. Um, he's a real popular lawyer or whatever. And, um, yeah, he, they and was he's just been on the show many times with us. Yeah, they, they was just tell, he was just telling me as far as uh, if, I, if I was to blow, you know, the minimum is three and a half. But if I was to blow, I'll probably, the top number is 15. If I was to blow, the, the, uh, I'll probably fall around seven to eight. When I, when I heard those, those numbers and, you know, I, they don't have nothing on me because I really didn't commit the crime. But, you know. I was like, hell no! I'm mean, what, what they what they offering, you know what I mean? So I just, you know, ended up, you know, standing up and take, taking taking uh, responsibilities for my actions and, and did the time and did what you had to do. Yeah. Prodigy, in terms of the in terms of the assumptions and and you've been with us on panels and shows before where we talked about these stereotypes, particularly of young African American men. How does that? How do those negative stereotypes play into the prison experience? Um, they definitely. You know, target. Uh, you know, I, I I was locked up with a bunch. The, the the part of the prison I was in was for basically high profile inmates. My case was super high profile. You know what I mean? So right. they, they put me in, you know, this building, involuntary protective custody, IPC building. Mm-hmm. So I was in there with judges. I was in there with DAs, cops. You know what I mean? And I used to have conversations with these people. You know what I mean? Just especially the cops. Just asking them like their opinions about why they do certain things, why they pull over certain people, and they told me they self. They was like, "Yo, we're trained mm-hmm. to pull over people that wear hats while they're driving. If you're black, you know what I mean. If you got a wear, if you're dressed a certain way, mm-hmm. that, that's we're trained to pull you over because that's a easy, it's an easy bus for us. Like you know what I mean. They they looking for easy arrests. You know they just trying to get their numbers up. Like you know what I mean. So it's like. They definitely targeting us. Yeah, crazy. Despite you know the fact mean? that they officially deny there's racial profiling, nah, they, you're saying they they, they know that. what they're looking for. Yeah, they're trained to do that. Like you know what I mean? They're trained to do that. Like I was talking to one of the uh, the cops I was locked up with. He was telling me like, when you drive, you should just take your hat, take your baseball hat off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like It'll straight make up it a like that. Bit easier for you. Whoa. Because you know I mean? they look for that. They look for if you got a baseball hat, a bandana. If you know, they look at how you dressed in the car, yeah. and they already look at because you black or Latino. You know what I mean? Exactly. They, yeah. That's 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 what they going after because those are the easy busts they feel. They feel like ninety percent of the time you gonna have some weed in your pocket, you gonna have some drugs or guns. That or they're gonna get something. Yeah. They feel like they're gonna get something. Yeah. Even though you could just be coming home from work or like going to pick picking, up your kid or school or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. And if I could just add to that, I mean, in Ava DuVernay's film, The 13th, she talked about the Trayvon Martin case, right? And how right. him being a 13-year-old black male was the only thing that was used to judge him and make him be dangerous, right? And I'm using quotation marks. And that's a, that's a that comes from a historical history of having people 
constantly equate black and brown skin as being dangerous. And now right. if you add the demonization. Exactly. And if you add cases like the Central Park Five, if you add cases like, you know, like like many other cases that we can mention where black males are automatically uh, trialed and convicted in the media using terms like super predator and animals and wolf packs, that automatically gives people the presumption that these people are dangerous. And then that equates to law enforcement being able to say things like, yes, if you're wearing a baseball cap and you're black or brown, more than likely you have to be doing something. But wrong. something like that case, that horrible case in, in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, where I mean, he yeah, was stopped this, over 50 times and he's working in a school. Exactly. And ultimately, which ultimately led to his death. Right. Right. I mean, so like, that's so the part too, because here's someone who's going to work, is used his he's building time into his day of the high chance that he will probably be stopped and, 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 and harassed and then ultimately lead into his death. Here's someone who's for no reason by his community for no reason. Wasn't doing anything wrong and yet he and yet he he, he gets pulled over and gets murdered. It's, and, and that's something we're talking about. And uh, we're, we're also want to, talking about prison culture as well. I want to get into this commissary kitchen, what made Prodigy uh, do a cookbook, and also what it's like uh, on the day-to-day -day when you're behind bars. That's coming up next on Street Soldiers. Hey, yo, this is Pat Post with Lisa Evers. Put your thinking caps on. Street Soldiers. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers, here on Hot 97, streaming live. Text your friends right now. Text your family members. Streaming live on Hot97.com, the next app, and where Hip Hop Lives app. And uh, we're focusing on the prison pipeline or negative stereotypes programming you for incarceration, or are they making you a target to be unfairly arrested? That's what we're talking about with the one and only prodigy, multi-platinum hip-hop artist, member of the group Mob Deep. All you hip-hop heads know that one. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, he's Those working on a new album dropping in January. I'm getting this right. Hegelian dialectic. Okay. <laughs> There's gonna have to be like a booklet that comes with that or something exactly. to, to give yeah. us all the all the all the knowledge and the gems in that. Um, Prodigy did a three year bid on a gun possession charge. He's been making music, touring the world since then, since he got home, and uh, also supporting us at Hot ninety seven with street soldiers and uh, trying to give the youth positive alternatives to violence and, and life behind bars. So we're, it's, it's always great to have you on the show. Thank you, always good to be here. Really fantastic. Also with us is J.R. Ryder from Harlem. He just came home from two and a half years upstate. His uh, new project is called Meet Zeus Part Two. Meet yeah, Zeus Part One. Yeah, top of, the, top of next year, Meet Zeus Part Two. Meet Zeus Part Two, top yeah. of next year. And Meet Zeus had over 100,000 downloads. He mm -hmm. had quite a... Uh, Quite a well-received appearance on Hot 97 with Peter Rosenberg. Yeah, yeah, Ebro. Shouts to Ebro. Ebro, Dominican the morning Drew. show. Shout out to the Hot 97 morning show. And um, from Harlem, too. Got to rep yep, Harlem yep. here. Born and raised. Born and raised. All right. Also with us, Khalil Cumberbatch. He's with Just Leadership USA. It's a not-for-profit organization that helps people coming out of correctional facilities rehabilitate their lives and, and deal with the issues that they're, uh, that they're dealing with. Okay, I'll, Prodigy, I want to I want to talk about the commissary kitchen. What gave right. you an idea, the idea to do this? Um, the first initial idea came from you know me having sickle cell anemia, and being locked up. That was like real dangerous. You know what I mean for me to to have my uh, you know blood disorder and be in that situation in, in prison because uh, you know they don't really know, they don't really care if you're sick or anything like that. And if you're in prison, if you're not unconscious on the floor and bleeding, mm -hmm. they're usually not gonna do nothing for you. Like, There's no you know medical I mean? attention. Yeah, they just be like, all right, they, they give you some ibuprofen or something. Like, all right, you know what I mean? <laughs> Sit it off, it, sleep it off, it'll be all right. You know what I mean? So me knowing that, you know, um, I had to, 
you know, really focus on eating good so I can, you know, stay healthy. Because I learned through reading and through research that diet controls sickle cell, you know what I mean? So going in there, the first thing I noticed is that there's hardly any green vegetables at all, you know, in the three meals that they serve you in prison, you know what I mean? And then you go in the commissary, which is the prison store, there's no green. They, they got only uh, green like vegetables. Like chips and they stuff, or is uh, mixed porky. vegetables. You can get mixed vegetables at commissary, but it only has a few pieces of celery, and there's not much green in it. You know what I mean? And I need a lot of green vegetables. You know what I mean? Because green is just something about those green vegetables. It, it puts oxygen in your blood, and it keeps me from getting sick. And it help. It helps keep people healthy. So I noticed that right away. There's no green vegetables in the prison system. You know what I mean? Not in very little, you know what I mean? Um, and I noticed just like the food is just terrible, man. And like, like what do you like? What were you getting in terms of like? Take us through the so now, give us the menu. Like you start out for breakfast, right? Yeah, you you get up like six thirty, you know what I mean? Seven, have breakfast. It's usually like some, uh, you know, a breakfast pizza or or something like that's, that. That's 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 a good morning. Yeah, that's breakfast. That was like the best. Wait, wait, wait. Like, Hold you know up. I mean? Breakfast pizza. Breakfast pizza. This that, is not like I, what I you get at Starbucks. Breakfast pizza. Breakfast yeah. pizza was a yeah. good morning. Right. So Bre breakfast you, pizza was an excellent morning. Yeah, they have like wheat tina, oatmeal, breakfast pizza, you know what I mean, stuff like that. And then, you know, you go out to the yard, you know, for a few couple hours. You come back, you have lunch, you know what I mean? And then the lunch is like, you know, uh, maybe some spaghetti or something, or Swedish meatballs, or like, you know, just Bologna certain things sandwiches. on different days, you know what I mean? But here's the thing, you know what I mean? There's a lot of horror stories about things happening to the food in jail. Mm -hmm. People, you know, because you locked up with a bunch of criminals, a bunch of, you know, these people. We've a seen our movies. Of, not everybody's the same. But right. there's a lot of inmates and they have mental issues. You know right. what I mean? And they say people, about 40% of the prisoners. These are people preparing food. So they're doing things. They put, I done found stuff in my food. So the, found, like, so the inmates mean? are actually the ones preparing the they food. They prepare the food, right. Okay. You know what I mean? And it's just like being in the street. You hear these stories about Burger King, this one, that one, and people doing stuff to the food and, you know, playing games with the food in the back. So it's always safer to prepare your own food. You know what I mean? Heck yeah. Regardless if you're in the street or if you're locked up. You know right. what I mean? So um, I've heard horror stories about food, people finding glass in their food in there, people finding, you know, at the, it, it, inside the juice cooler, they will find dirty rags at the bottom after everybody done drink the juice already, open up as a rag, dirty rag inside oh. of it. Like, so all of that made me want to prepare my own food. It made me look at how bad the food is in prison, as far as, like, the health is concerned, as far as, like, healthy food. Right. right. It's, it's really not that healthy, man. A lot, of pe a lot of inmates come home with hypertension, high blood pressure. It's, like, a lot of bad stuff, in the food. a lot of sugar, in, you know what I mean, and the juice that they give you in there. So I had to really focus on eating right, and I had to learn how to eat right in there. And how did you do that? So what I did was once once a month you're allowed to get a package, you know, and you, your family can send you 35 pounds or something, 30 pounds, something like that every month. Oh, yeah. um, so I would get 35 pounds of straight green vegetables. And everybody would look at me like I was crazy because this was the time, you know, people would get their Twinkies or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you're snacks. getting broccoli and you're getting spinach. Yeah, I'm getting and the greens <laughs> and all the good stuff. 35 right. pounds of it every month. And you know, a lot of inmates were like, "Yo, P, what you doing? Like, get some, get some of the stuff that you know, right. the good stuff. Like, it's your time to get that good stuff in your package." I'm like, "Nah, I gotta eat this way. I gotta eat healthy because if I get sick in here, mm -hmm. it's so gonna be bad. It's a rat. It's, it's good. It's gonna yeah. be bad. You kept it fresh, though. You know what I mean? So 
I started preparing my own fools. I started learning from the, some of the inmates that had more experience, that was in there serving a lot of more time, and they were showing me how to prepare the, you know, the salmon that comes in commissary. Salmon? Yeah, they got canned salmon in oh, commissary. Okay. They got like uh, sardines, they got uh, octopus, calamari, you know, all of this is in the can though, you know what I mean? So I just learned how to prepare foods and, and, and make my own food where it's healthy, you know what I mean? That I could eat healthy in there. Mm -hmm. as, as healthy as possible being given the up, Given the situation. You know what I mean? Jared, what about you for the food? What was the food like for you? Disgusting. It, I mean, it, it was times where, you know, like me and my guys, we would just look at the menu. Oh, what's that for tomorrow? Oh, nah, I'm not waking up for that. Uh, you know, we just, you know, that, that's what the package is for. You know, we was going to, to the mess hall when it's when it's something good mm -hmm. right. because you know thanksgiving christmas like you might get a, a a slice of turkey not a not a piece of turkey but a slice of turkey mm -hmm. some uh stuffing and gravy with mashed potatoes like you know mm -hmm. so you know i will show up when there's they stop they stop um they stop giving they stop uh serving eggs i forgot i forgot why yeah, they stopped Maybe salmonella eggs. or right. something like that because they were going... I don't know why. Or allergies. We looked at it like they was being cheap and they didn't, you know... That's probably exactly what it was. Because it, it be Maybe. packed. Once, once it's, they serving eggs, it's lit. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, like, uh, the food was definitely disgusting. So we just had to make our own. We had to... That's why I wanted to, to look at, at the book and see what, you know what I mean? What type of recipes because in jail, that's when, you know what I mean? They, they start coming up with all type of stuff. You know what I mean? Let me say one thing, though. Um... You know, I was lucky enough to have family mm -hmm. and right. money on my books. Right. Where I could buy commissary mm -hmm. and I can mm -hmm. get a package. Right. There's a lot of inmates that don't have that. That's a fact. And they have to eat what the jail serves. Yeah. Right. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then they got these jobs you have to have in jail. You know, you have to have a job and you have to work. Yeah. And they only pay you like 10 cent, 20 cent, whatever it is, something crazy. So for the day. guys that don't have family, that's the only way they have the money that goes right. into the commissary. And so you got to work so long mm -hmm. in order to get just enough money to buy stuff off commissary. Stuff that's unhealthy too, right? right. So it's you like, so it's, like it, it, it's not even like you could spend that money as little as it is to get something healthy. And that's the point that, that, that I think is really important for you to mention is that eating healthy in prison is just like eating healthy in the street that there is a cost that is associated with that of and, course. and many and many times it's a cost that you cannot subset from an income that you can actually live on right because in prison mm. i mean you essentially get paid slave wages right um so so it's very hard for many people who already have other existing conditions like diabetes hypertension right. you mentioned to, to eat healthy and to actually have those um you know to kind of like mitigate their existing condition some people will st uh, still make like they're a slave for the whole week two weeks or whatever they still make like three forty five four dollars on their commissary and they still go buy a pouch yeah go buy some cigarettes <laughs> instead of eating good you know what i mean well, yeah but that's you know people's choices but they do that they'd rather yeah. just buy a pack of cigarettes because they stressed out and then they, they need their cigarettes and they just you know, and, 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 that's what they, and that's but what there's they ways around it you could you could you know sometimes you might see people like you might see a group that that get packages that their commissary and their books is right and you might could fit in in their in their loop in their group by like you know offering to wash dishes and I'm 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 not doing that but I'm just saying it's it's it's, it's certain ways where people didn't really have nothing so they will offer to wash bowls and, and like wash. the butter, the butter. <clears throat> like to try to try to trade and get to get yeah, some just extra to up. get in that loop. All know? right, we're gonna take a short break. This is uh, Hot 97 Street Soldiers. I'm your host Lisa Evers. We're talking about the prison pipeline, our negative stereotypes, programming you for incarceration. Uh, with our guests, we'll be back right after this. Hey yo yo yo, what up what up? It's the infamous Mob Deep Prodigy right. 
here, you know what I mean? And this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, you know what I mean? And real people only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Hot 97 Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. And what we're focusing on, the prison pipeline, maybe you heard about that new documentary called 13th, about the 13th Amendment to Abolish Slavery. Um, I highly recommend it. And also we're talking about Prodigy's new cookbook, The Commissary Kitchen, and uh, prison life in general, negative stereotypes, and also the criminal justice system. A lot on our uh, plate and a lot on our street soldiers menu for this episode. Joining us, the one and only Prodigy of Mob Deep fame, multi-platinum artist. He is. Uh, he did a three-year bid on a gun possession charge, been touring, making music, also been a strong supporter of Hot 97 Street Soldiers' push for peace. His new book, second second book, right? Actually, my seventh book. Seventh mm. book? Seventh book since I came home. Wow. Good. Since 2006, in 10 years, you've written so, seven books. Since 2011. 2011? I came home in 2011. Wow. Seven yeah. books. Yeah. All right, I got to talk with you. I got to get my book game up there. That, that's, I'm feeling like a slacker here. All right. Also, but that's fantastic. Fantastic. Thanks. Also with us, J.R. Ryder. He just came home from two and a half years upstate. Um, his new project coming at the beginning of the year is Meet Zeus Part 2. Yep. Thank you for being with us. Also, Khalil Cumberbatch, he's with Just Leadership USA. It's a not-for-profit organization that helps ex-offenders. Khalil, when you see people coming home, what are some of the challenges that they face? Yeah, I mean, one of them is stigma. I mean, I think that the stigma associated with having a felony conviction um, is one that is at the crux of all of the issues that are related around criminal justice reform. So when people want access to fair housing and they say, well, no, this person has a felony conviction, you can't live here. Re regardless of whatever they did with their time, how much ever time they did. Uh, if a person wants to get into a school, they can't even get uh, apply for certain colleges without being asked about a felony conviction and so on and so forth. So I think the stigma and the shame associated with having a felony conviction, having served time, and not really understanding what the repercussions of that actually means is something that we see a lot and it actually plays a huge role in the work that we do at Just Leadership in terms of in terms of empowering those who are directly impacted to actually be at the forefront of the movement to reform uh, um, the criminal justice. The criminal system. justice, and, and I want to talk later on the show about the about the reforms. But Jared Ryder, let me ask you this, because we see, people see, you know, we see in videos, we see in films, TV shows, some of the most popular things are stories about people, and women too, being behind bars. Mm -hmm. Do you think that glamorizes it or makes it seem like it's a normal part of life and the life experience and kind of a rite of passage? I mean, to, to the people that are ignorant, like, you know, because sometimes, because as far as music, music is like, you know, movies and things like that. We're just painting a picture. So, you know, sometimes, you know, we might talk about getting locked up or I might talk about getting locked up on a record, but that's just, you know, that's just me. Uh, uh, I'm not glorifying it or telling you like, yeah, this is part of life and this is what you gotta do. This is something I've been through. So, you know, the people that had that had been through that can feel my pain or the people that are going through that can feel where I'm coming from that could relate, you know what I mean? But, you know, I don't think, uh, I really, I really, I really never really seen nobody glorify that. You don't see it as a cool. What about when you came home? Did people that were close to you, like that, really knew you? Say you've changed. Um. Yeah. I mean, I was more humble. You know, I was, I was, I was sloppy before I went in. I was like two forty. You know, I came home, lost weight, but was working out, reading, reading a lot of books. You know, a lot of uh, uh, Donald Neil Donald Walsh books and 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 um, Deepak Chopra books and just Deepak Chopra. Yeah. yeah, 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 and just you know, just tuning in, tapping into things that I wasn't doing before because I wouldn't pick up a book, you know. 
but then, in, but then in prison, age. yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, what I mean, that's all we had was James Patterson. After I ran through all the James Patterson books, that's when I start, you know, really going into, you know, more, more, uh, more uh, different books that that bring awareness. You know what I mean? But um, yeah. A prodigy. What about what about you in terms of what when you came home? Did you see? Because I mean, you went in as a celebrity, so that was a, like super famous. So that was like a different type of experience. But then are there times where you're like, I'm not getting any special privileges here. Yeah, I mean, definitely, man. Um, you know, when I first my first day in upstate in the prison system, um, and when my first day when I went into this jail called Midstate, excuse me. Uh, I went to my cell. I brought all my stuff to my cell. My, you know, your mattress, your blankets, your cup, and all that. Put stuff in the cell, and then I walked out into the day room because everybody was out in the day room watching TV. So I walked out there, sat down, and the CO screamed on me. He was like, "Yo, where, where you think you at? Where the f you think you at? This ain't the Marriott. You're back in your cell. I ain't tell you to come up." I'm like, "Nah, I ain't know. Like, you know what I mean?" Yeah, right, right. So he was like. He was talking to me because he knew who I was, you know. He tried to make an example out of me, and they, a lot of the CEOs told me later, like, you know, we thought we thought you was gonna be like, you know, Hollywood, you know, yeah, on, like you a rapper. Or you thought you was gonna come in here and try to act all hardcore, or whatever, whatever. But you're pretty cool, Johnson. Like, you know what I mean? So they got the pre preconception, like, you know what I mean, to already like be a little harder on me because who do I think I am? And like, you know what I'm saying? So I've definitely dealt with I definitely dealt with that in there. Not so much of the inmates though. The inmates was pretty, you know, I ain't really had no problem with that. But the COs, I definitely felt that energy coming from them. You know what I mean? Because of who I was, you know, trying to be a little tougher on me or talk to me tougher or something like that. You know what I mean? But going back to what you were at, we're talking about with Jr. Um, you know, as far as people glorifying being locked up, yeah, it's like that's a traumatic experience. So we're gonna talk about it, you know what I mean? Like yeah. we make art, we create art, and we talk about our experience and our music. And that's very traumatic experience to be locked up in a prison system and go through that time. So it's not we, we're not glorifying it. We're talking about what we've been through, man. You know, we sharing our experience with the world, and it's hard to not talk about that. It's so traumatic, you know what I mean, to your life. Exactly. Yeah. And then the, de the de talk with me about the dehumanizing aspects of it. I mean, dehumanizing is like, you know, you wear the same thing every day. You know, um, you got to come out when they tell you to come out. You go to the yard when they tell you it's time, you know. Mm -hmm. You got to do what they say. Yeah. You know, um, the 13th, getting back to the 13th, the 13th Amendment of the Constitution says that slavery is abolished. Slavery is no longer in effect unless you're incarcerated. Right. Like, that's what it says. So, basically, you're a slave mm -hmm. if you're in jail. You're, yeah. you're legally I mean, a slave. So, you know, they tell people, I done seen correction officers tell people, yo, go clean the staircase with this toothbrush. Clean the whole staircase. Just because they don't like the inmate. And if the inmate tries to be like, I'm not doing that. Like, you're going to get written up. You're going to get a ticket. And you're going to have to fight it now. Mm -hmm. And now you're creating friction. Like, if you try to fight it and you drop in, you know what I mean? What do you call them things? You write... Make a complaint, what do you uh, call it? A grievance. Yeah, you uh, drop a, a grievance in the grievance box. <laughs> now you're creating a conflict between you and this correction officer which is going to create further problems yeah. for yourself yeah. right and, and, and you just gotta stand up for yourself but it's gonna create further problems yep. for and to people you know listening I mean? right now right, we did have a correction officer who, who was booked for the show and he actually came here to the studio 
but had to leave because he had a family emergency. So I just want to yeah. say that. Yeah. So you want to jump to in on that. And guys, please jump in. Just to add to the dehumanization question, I mean, even when you first come in, your name is no longer your name. So that's like one of the first things that yeah. they do You're a number to now. actually take away. And is it true they line you up naked and then everybody has to get checked all of that, and all right? that? Because, yeah. because the overall concept of you being incarcerated, particularly in a state system here in New York State, is that you are no longer in control of anything. The, the, uh, what you think, uh, how you eat, when you eat, uh, even even sometimes when you're even told, uh, even sometimes you're even told when you can and cannot go to the bathroom, right? So that idea of taking away your name is a close connection to slavery, right? Identity, because, right. Exactly, because once you don't have a name to identify anything to- You're not connected to your family, exactly. to nobody. So once you're given this number, now you're no longer human, right? So it's okay for us to do whatever it is that we want to do to you. It's okay for us to beat you half to death. It's okay for us to tell you to clean the staircase. It's okay for us to feed you whatever it is that we want to feed you. So that demonization process is actually the toughest part about being in prison. People Even, ask me all the time, like, what is prison like? And, oh my God, I can't, you know, and less. Being locked in a room is, is, is a very traumatic situation, but that's probably 10 to 15% of the overall incarceration experience. Everything else outside of that is the mental oppression yeah. that you're constantly forced to actually have to fight. Even how they treat your family. When your family come visit you or your people come visit right. you, they treat them like, oh, you can't come in here. They'll send a visitor back home because they're wearing the wrong thing. Wrong thing, yeah. So they, they they even messing with your visitors. They making your experience like, they really, you That's know That's I mean? true. I visited people and uh, visited people and like, it, you know I mean? not as a reporter, not as, not on the press pass, exactly, but just you go yeah. through and it, it's just like, yeah, Listen, like, I'm not. Yeah. I, I I didn't commit any crime. I'm no, just was, here to talk to somebody. I was in, um, in Ulster. You 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 went to Ulster too, right? I, nah, nah, I wasn't in there. I wasn't in there. Had it. to. What? That's where you you stop at, and I then was, you find out where you going. Nah, to. I was in Downstate. Oh, you went to Downstate. Yeah. All right, bet. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was in Ulster, and that's like basically where they hold you at, unless you go Downstate, and then you find out where you're going like to processing. next. It's processing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was in there and, um, you know, I got a buzz, you know what I mean? People know me from the Dipset days and things like that and for putting out music. So, um, you know, all the inmates, like Prodigy said, it, it was never a problem with the inmates. They, I mean, the people love me. It's just uh, the, the COs could care less for me. So, you know, it was COs that would pull me to the side after I'm walking out the mess hall, pull me off the line, hands on the wall, take out everything I have. And, and, and no throw it on the floor for no reason. I'd be like, sir, what, what what's this for? I'm like, shut your mouth, shut your trap, shut your pie hole. They they say all the time, shut your well, sucker. You I don't know if I can say that. We'll, we'll believe it, don't worry. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's but, their, that's their mentality. Right. Think but, you are. Yeah, so I'll walk off and they'll be like, put that in the freestyle. Yeah. So I'll, <laughs> yeah. and then yeah. you go into a freestyle, and then the whole yeah. no, that's yeah. like a scene a, in the movie. Then I everybody a, starts, you know. I did a freestyle from Ulster over the phone, and it went to World Star, and it did like a million views, and and um, a lot of people on Twitter was talking about Ulster. So uh, I had um, they woke me up one morning or whatever, and um, <laughs> like you, you're going viral on World Star. Yeah, they they woke me up one <laughs> Shout morning. Out to At first, it was like COs coming in, like who's this rapper in his house that he went viral, and, and uh, everyone's talking about him. All my coworkers is talking about him, but you know, like inmates, they it's like the streets. They like I don't know who you talking about. Right, 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 yeah, right. So right, we don't know who he is. Yeah, so <laughs> so they woke me up one morning after all of that, and. Uh, um, they brought me to the visiting room and the visiting also you can only get visits on the weekends mm -hmm. so they brought me on a weekday so I'm like what they this is about problem. yeah so on the so yeah I'm scared I'm like oh nah I mean I didn't want to make it hot for myself where they beat me up and send me back so 
I'm asking. I'm like, what's the problem? He's like, I don't know. You, you got a tier three or something? Tier two, those are tickets. So I'm like, nah, I ain't, I ain't get no tickets. So he like, I don't know. So I, I, sat, I sat there for like 20 minutes in an empty visiting room. I never even seen the visiting room empty because once I, when I go there, it's, you know, it's full People's visit. there, right. So I'm sitting there and some dude come in with a suit on. And he like walking me to the back, so I'm thinking this is another case, and you know the old type of things that people be scared of. Right. So I walk to the back, and he like he talks to me. He tells me, "Yo, listen, this is about your freestyle um, that you did. That's on World Star, and everyone in Albany is talking about it. I was sent here by the commissioner. Oh um, snap! We want to know if you're making money off yeah, of that's this freestyle. The main thing. Yeah. You're not allowed to make money as a prisoner. You're not allowed to make money, profit off of your. Yeah. The yeah. Incarceration. Right, you're not allowed to profit off of your car. Yeah, so they asked me if I was blood and Dipset is blood and this, that, and the 30 showing me pictures and, you know, all type of stuff. I'm like, nah, man, you know, I, I, was just, I just did a freestyle. I'm not trying to profit off of it or nothing like that. He like, listen, as long as you not uh, not um, a security threat, like talking about how security is ran in the jail through your freestyles mm-hmm. and you're not profiting off of it because I can look through all your bank accounts. Um, it's it's all good. I just gotta come see you every time you do a freestyle. Hmm. Wow, so I'm like, crazy, so if yeah. I'm in Adirondack, which is like 30 minutes from uh, Canada, you gonna come all the way up there from Ulster? He's like, I don't crazy. think you heard me. Like, I'm um I'm, I work right. I work hand in hand with the commissioner. We run all the jails in New York State. I know what jail you're going to before you even know it. So I'm like, wow. He walked straight out. He didn't say nothing to the CEO. They, cause, cause when the lawyer comes see you, they gotta, they gotta give him a twenty four hour notice. Right. He didn't, no notice. He just popped up, mm. showed his credentials, walked in and walked out. No high, no bother. CEO was like, "Who are you, man? Wow. We had, we had Ja Rule, we had uh, uh, Slick Rick, all type of people here." I'm like, nah, I mean, I don't know. I don't. Mm. I just did a freestyle and they yeah. came to see me. And that, and that was it. That's what happened. All right. This is Hot ninety seven Street Soldiers. I'm your host Lisa Evers. We'll be back right after this. What up? This is Trey Songz and this is Street Soldiers just with Lisa Evers real issues real politics real people only on hot 97 uh 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 Zeus Harlem look I've been getting cheese before rap She thinks she the sh- she ain't even all that Tell her get a grip before I beat and fall back and she hit me on the hip I don't even call back listen baby I do this I do this Listen, baby, I do this. I do this. Uh, no new sh- Look, when they thought I was missing, it was deuces. deuces. Now I got it tripping like a cruise ship. Cruise ship. Got it, the piggy is a toothpick. Like I do this. Hey. I do this. Hey. Now she coming at it with excuses. But all that she hit me with is useless. useless. She must have seen a whip, I'm in this ruthless. Hey. Sitting on them dishes like I'm Ruth Chris. Ruth Chris. Got the trap going crazy. crazy. Now she wanna go half on the baby. She crazy. <laughs> Hundred racks on the AP. Bling. Hustle like I'm slinging crack from the 80s. Whoa. Go yard on the flip flops. They tell me those bars need a ziplock. But you should know, all oh, man, I've been hot. Those bras need to kick rocks. Cause I've been getting cheese before rap. She thinks she the sh- she ain't even all that. Tell her get a grip for I beat and fall back. And she hit me on the hip, I don't even call back. Listen, baby, I do this. I do this. Listen, baby, I do this. I do this. Uh. No new sh- Look, she wasn't trying to hear what you do, spit. 
Yeah, she in my head like a Q-tip But I'm over here with a new Like I do this, I do this Spent the whole last year on some cute shit Nah, barely exclusive She must have heard them air in my new head Like bring that back, yeah, it's too lit Caught a milli on a Rari Growing like I'm sitting on a Harley Okay, that was I Do This from Meet Zeus by J.R. Ryder. He joins us here in studio for Hot 97 Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. You know where to find me. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, at Lisa Evers. Also with us, Prodigy, the one and only Prodigy. Yes, that Prodigy from Mob Deep, multi-platinum recording artist. And uh, Prodigy did a three-year bid on a gun possession charge and came home in 2011. Since then, has written seven books. I think that's fantastic, <laughs> including Commissary Kitchen. Even with that, I can't cook. But it's <laughs> it's good. We're, we're learning a lot about it. And um, he's also been a strong supporter of our Hot 97 Street Soldiers Push for Peace uh, shows and efforts and come out to the neighborhoods with us. So we love him for that. Also with us, Khalil Cumberbatch. He's with Just Leadership USA. It's a nonprofit organization that helps ex-offenders transition and turn their lives around and create lives and deal with some of the stigmas and the stereotypes. Let's talk a little bit about the criminal justice reform, because these are the issues you guys said, and a lot of people have been saying, were not discussed during the presidential campaign, kind of got waylaid, and yet it's it, these are things that are of urgent importance in our communities, and especially in our urban areas around the country. Prodigy, in terms of reforms, what do you see could actually be done? I, I want to say this real quick, too. A lot of people, you know, they, they, they see what I'm doing with this book right here, and the first thing that they say is, like, what do you expect the conditions to be? You're in prison. You're supposed to eat bad. You're supposed to have a hard time. Like, you know what I mean? They're right. like, why would, who would wanna, why would you put this book out? Who would want to eat prison food out in the world? So the first thing I want to say is, like, just because you're serving time doesn't make you an animal. You still have human rights. You know what I mean? So people have the misconception to think that, oh, you just because you're in jail, you're supposed to be living foul, you're supposed to eat bad, you're supposed to be in the hole, you're supposed to, you know what I mean, it's supposed to be hard. I mean, yeah, it's prison. It's supposed to be hard. But you have human rights, you know what I mean? We have human rights that need to be, you know, dealt with, that need to be talked about, that need to be, uh, you know, active. Like, your rights need to be your rights. Um, so prison reform is for that, is to remember that prisoners are human. And when people come home, you want them to be able to readjust. You want them to be able to, you know, get back to society and be and function in society. And the only way to do that is to treat the people like treat people like they're humans while they're serving their time, so they can rehabilitate and also give them skills right. and give them give them things that they can do to better themselves right. while they're there. Like at Sing Sing, they have a lot more educational programs mm -hmm. now. Yep. You can have a TV in your cell hand. if you like. The littlest things count in jail. Right. The littlest things count. Like ma having making more money for your job every day. Right. That's a little thing. Mm -hmm. right. it, it counts. It helps people mm -hmm. buy food, get packages. Like you know what I mean? Because like I said, a lot of people don't have family. They don't have money on their books. You know. Um, the little things, man. Just little things really help in, in, in prison. It really helps. It really counts for how a person feels about themselves, feels about life. It feels, you know, you're doing your bit. It's already hard enough. Right. You know what I mean? So the little things count, man. So prison reform is, is a bunch of angles. It's the food. It's the it's the jobs. It's the, um, you know, 
getting ready to go back into society, like that transition. Right. Like there's a lot of reform that needs to happen. Khalil, what about what about that in terms in terms of the education yeah. and the ability to to really, you know, come out of like so, some of the prisons because of these private programs mm-hmm. that are still in there. Like mm-hmm. I saw one when I was at Sing Sing, where you can you can actually advance your education while yeah. you're there. So when you come out, you've got a skill, you've got something that that can get you a job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, I would say, I would actually expand the term prison reform and just talk about reforming the criminal justice system in general. So that's jails, local jails, and state prisons. Because yes, there are more more programs are in state prisons, but by the time you get to state prison, many people, including myself and the organization I work for, would argue and say that now you are already treating something that is cancerous with 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 a teaspoon of vitamin C, where you could have given a person access to opportunities way before they reached into a state prison. So in terms of like just how do we reform the system in general, first we, you know, people shouldn't be going into the system in for, the first place. In in the first place for crimes where they could have been given resources that would have diverted them away from the criminal justice. Like system. you mean like mm. like drug right. charges. So or for drug, example, that so many people that I've met in prison who were very successful drug dealers or very successful in whatever underground illegal activity that they uh, decided to engage in, if their product would have been uh, a soda, or if their product would have been um, um, pi- uh, uh, pillowcases, they would have taken that same business model and would have been successful. In our neighborhoods that we grow up in, the only thing that's really lucrative is 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 a drug, is a hustle, yeah, it, or some form of a hustle, right? So when you talk about giving people opportunities that are going to give them the capital that they need to take care of themselves and their families, many people would choose to not do something illegal. So yes, we need to give people access to not only employment, but gainful employment. We need to give people access to education programs. We it comes back to jobs. It, it, all, it always comes back around to jobs, to schools. Exactly. Yep. But, and, but let me come back to this mental health, this mental mm-hmm. health number. Jared Ryder, when you were, when you were upstate, did you, the, the, some of the estimates that we've seen and that I've read are about 40% of the inmate population has mental health issues, mm-hmm. but yet mm-hmm. they're mixed in with the regular population. Yep. Did you see that when you were there? Yeah, I've seen a whole lot of that all over the place. Mm-hmm. But you know, um, they just mixed everybody up. They'll mix you up with a rapist, with a with a with a, someone with mental health issues, like, you know, like he said, you could go to you could go to uh you could have a broken leg, they're gonna give you IV profine and an ice pack. Mm-hmm. You know, so so you know, like, you know, the, you, I, I, I definitely see a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But, but prodigy, how do you counter what you what you talked about? The attitude that a lot of people have as well. They're in prison. What do you expect? This isn't the this isn't the hot, you know a hotel vacation. Right. You, you're there doing time for something that supposedly you were convicted of doing wrong or admitted to doing wrong. What do you say to those people? I say that it's deeper than that. You know, it, it, I remind them about the human rights issue. I remind them that they're humans. They, you know, just because you're incarcerated, you're not an animal. You're not a dog in a cage. Mm-hmm. You're a human. And humans are very, uh, much more intricate, much more intelligent than animals. And, and, you know, this is rehabilitation. We should be able to get rehabilitated. We should have, you know, certain things, man. Just, you know, you know, the, uh, we should be able to get an education in there. You should have better living conditions in there. You know, um, like I said, getting, getting ready to go home. For prisoners that's getting ready to go home, that transition to get being able to get a job, like, with a felony, like you know, what I mean, all it, of those things. It's really things, tough. Yeah, that that that. Uh, otherwise, if you can't get a job, you're gonna end up committing another crime and then going back to jail. Like, there's like, no I rehabilitation. I don't know how like. New York worked, but I was paroled to uh to Jersey, and in Jersey, like they had me in a program where I was going from Monday through Friday, from like nine in the morning to twelve thirty, 
and a lot of people was in there for no reason like not to say no reason it's just like um like in new york you have to be referred to a certain program like you get um a drug program you get a a violent program or whatever but they just put me in that program and to get to get out of that program i had to hire my entertainment lawyer and show paperwork and contracts and things like that to show where my income is going to be coming from and where it been coming from but there was other people there that you know they didn't they just came home they still feel like they locked up because they come into this program every day. They getting breathalyzed as soon as they walk in. They getting met, they going through Wand. a metal detector, mm-hmm. and 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 just to get out of that program, these people is just they taking uh, jobs at McDonald's and and parole, and, and the programs is cool with that. They like, all right, cool. You got you got you, you at McDonald's. I want to see that check every week. Yeah. Well, what about in terms of the law? Because there's a, there's the issue too of people feeling like the the criminal justice system. It's not justice for all. It's justice mm-hmm. for some people, right. and there's selective justice. And if yeah. you're low income or a person of color, you're mm-hmm. getting a different standard of justice than somebody who is whatever color and, and rich and has the best the best lawyer. What yeah. about that? For example, with that, when you're on parole, you know, uh, post-release supervision, whatever it is that they call it now, you know, when you come home, you have to pay to be on parole. You have to pay $30 every time you visit your parole you're kidding. Like, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. A little thing like that. It's the little things. Like I said before, a little thing like that, that hurts people that they already can't hard to get a job, can't get a job. Right. Now you have to pay to go see a parole officer. And then if you like, don't see the parole officer, then you violate it. If you right? don't pay, you get violated. If you if you late on the payment or something, you didn't pay this week, they can lock you up and send you back to exactly, jail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and then and then I mean also too, like the punishment is in the process, right? So like we're talking about folks who come out of the system, but we're also talking about folks who are in the system that being in the system in, in and of itself is a punishment, right? So we look at somebody like Khalif Browder, who was 16 years old, locked up uh, for allegedly stealing a backpack, given a bail that was that was uh, considered low for some people. But when you're poor and you're struggling and you're working class, $3,000 may as well be $3 million, right? Totally. So if you can't make the bail, now you're being subjected to the conditions of a jail like Rikers, right? Right. And continuously being oppressed and, and, and um, dehumanized and abused which ultimately doesn't help anybody. Now, when he came home, he told his story as much as he could, but in the end, that experience traumatized him so much. Didn't he go in when he was 14? He was 16, and he came out when he was 19. Three years, and ultimately, he was never convicted of a crime, right? So many people would say he served a bid in three years on Rikers Island, which is a hellhole, right? It's a place that is extremely focused on dehumanizing and breaking people, and that's exactly what it did to someone like him, where he came home and as much access to resources as he had, he just could not move past the trauma is not to say anything bad about him, but it's to highlight the fact of how damage no, took his life. Rikers could actually make a person. Okay, but and, and I, we're going to save Rikers for a whole for mm-hmm. a whole other show. The Department of Corrections, they say they are trying to to do a lot of because uh, they're under a federal, aren't they under a federal consent degree? They, they are. Yep. So they're trying to, which means that they have to make certain improvements, and the federal government has to oversee them. So they are making certain changes. Within the system, I've seen some of them, but obviously the whole culture and the whole climate there is uh, that that's that's a whole different issue. And they've had problems too on both sides with correction officers being attacked and correction officers being arrested for attacking inmates and and doing other uh, illegal activity that would have gotten other people up. Um, as as we wrap up the show, Khalil, quickly, what do you think is g- give us give us one thing that people should really be keeping their ears open for? Yeah, one thing I mean obviously is paying attention to what's going to happen after January when this new president comes in. Uh, if the, people want to learn more about Just Leadership USA and our work, you can go to justleadershipusa.org and or closerikers.org. 
All right, great. Jar Ryder, Meet Zeus Part 2, January? Yeah, top of ne- not January, but the top of next year, sometime around, I don't know, maybe February, March. But yeah, new music, new everything. New everything. Yeah. A whole new J.R. Ryder. Yeah. All right, well, hope, we hope you come back again. Appreciate it. And, and Prodigy, the, the, the cookbook, we got the Hegelian dialect. You got to come back when that thing drops <laughs> so we can. Definitely. We're going to have to do like a, tu- a tutorial. You that know, like, whole album is about what we talking about right now just politics you know conspiracy a lot of the you know the reform that needs to happen in the criminal justice system just in the world period man just you know it's a topic man you know yeah we're and gonna it, have to do a whole show on that yeah, man, all right real. so we gotta I, I gotta get with your manager we gotta build that in the <laughs> yeah. schedule right now because i know it's gonna be crazy well i want to thank all of you uh, for being with us for this episode of street soldiers khalil uh cumberbatch jr writer prodigy you guys thank you so so much for being with us we Appreciate really appreciate you. it thank you, and uh thank you for tuning in please follow me on twitter instagram snapchat and like my page on facebook and remember use your mind it's your best weapon i hope it's your only weapon i'm lisa evers let's push for peace